You're listening to a DM podcast. In, if in the event that your wife ever gets pregnant a second time and she's giving birth, I may I suggest that you play that song, Push It. <laughs> My salt and pepper. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a new episode of Mr. A+. Joining us today is an Australian actor and musician who was a cast member of one of Australia's longest-running soap operas for four years, 2004 to 2008. He recently claimed that he and his partner are huge fans of me on Instagram. That's very kind of them. They even have some big news to reveal too. Now, let's all give a warm welcome for fellow Aussie, Mark Furs. Hey. AKA Rick Dalby. <laughs> Hi, mate. How are you? I'm going well, thanks. How are you doing? I'm good. That was a really nice introduction, man. If you could follow me around and, and do that for me all the time, that'd be wonderful. Yeah. That, wouldn't that be something? <laughs> Have a hype man just following you all the time. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> so, first off, how are you doing and your family? We're good, man. Yeah, thanks for asking. I'm um, I'm really well. Um, we, my family and I have my, my wife and we have a, a little 15-month-old girl and we've recently moved from Sydney to the Gold Coast up in Queensland. So I've been told. Yeah, yeah. So um, we've been here for nearly six months, a bit more than six months. So it's all been Ooh. a bit of a whirlwind, all that kind of business. And we've got our two little doggies as well. Um Life's good, man. We're, we're really happy up here. Uh, we're kind of doing the whole domestic family thing. We've got a backyard, lots of grass for our little girl to run around on. And um, yeah. yeah, mate, we're great. How are you? How's your family? My family is doing quite well, thanks. And I'm doing pretty well too, still getting through life as it happens. Yep. Yep. That's all you can and do. Still looking forward to pursuing acting. Mm. Should we talk about that? Um, sure. I, I was very intrigued to find out that you're an actor, man. That's that's really exciting. I would love to, I would love to see you in some in some things, playing some roles. I saw your speech at your brother's wedding, and I was really impressed, mate. I was cracking up. You did a wonderful job. Well done. Thanks, Mark. Um, apparently, my speech was the best one at the wedding. Of course, it was. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. I didn't even need to see the others to know that. Yeah, I was even told by several people the whole night that I was comp- given compliments by pe- by people the entire night. Yeah, well, it's deserved, man. Was uh, so I've been best man two times now, and it's, seriously, yeah, yeah, it's um, which is a real privilege, as I'm, as I'm sure you know, you know, to to be considered the best man at someone's wedding. But it's a it's a big yes. stress too. Hey, I would say that it is. Yeah, I I was so. Obviously, you know, someone asks you to be the best man. You're like, wow, this is amazing. And then you realize, oh, shit, I've got to do a speech. And then, and yeah. then this, the stress kicks in. And, of course, you can't, you can't screw up the speech, you know. You've got to make a really yeah. good speech. And, uh, and you did a good job. Were you nervous about it? Um, not really. You didn't look nervous. You crushed it. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, man. At least I managed to get some laughs out of people. Yeah, you got heaps. It was, it was really funny. Have, have you ever considered writing your own character? Like characters for you? Uh, I haven't. I think you'd be pretty good at it. I don't even know how to get 
how to how to start. Yeah, well, I I know that feeling. It's a stressful thing, but I think I think the thing is with that kind of thing. My philosophy on it is just do it and have it be terrible, and then learn from how terrible it is and make the next one a little bit better, and then the next one a little bit mm. better, and then you'll go before you know it, you've written five characters or five stories. And the fifth one's going to be way better than the first one, but it's still you've still got to embrace failing and being terrible. Because trust me, I've written my fair share of terrible, terrible stories and characters. Yeah, of course. Yeah. In fact, when I posted that um, the best man speech on Instagram, it's now receives like a hundred k views. Oh wow! Wow. And a lot of the comments mention a lot about comic timing. Yes. I noticed that too, and that's that's not an easy thing to to get right because if you yeah. if you if you wait a little bit too long to tell a joke or you you come in too fast or or you don't you know for instance what you were doing people were clapping and laughing and you gave it time you sat you waited till they finished because you're like I got another joke to tell and I want you all to hear it it was really good yeah. you did well you, that's just obviously Thanks. it's instinct man you did great thank you Mark I really appreciate that. Being the best man was kind of an honor, I I suppose. Yeah. Truth be told, I never really pictured myself being anyone's best man. Not to mention having to drain yourself of money on on the groom. <laughs> yes, right. exactly. D- exactly. Did you did you get them? Did you get them a nice present? Well, they just wanted cash. They wanted cash. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess yeah. so. I guess that's that fair was enough. mostly what they wanted. Anyway, I need to ask you. Um, can you describe? How you entered the world of acting? I can, mate. Yeah. So I actually began acting quite young. My first acting role was, I believe I was 10. Uh, my father always did musical theatre. So he was up on stage singing and, and performing. And I would always see him in these musical theatre productions and I thought it was fantastic. I guess I was full of confidence at the age of 10 and, and, and auditioned for a, a musical that my dad was going to be in. It was local musical theatre in the town that I grew up in and I got the part. So I was, I was like the lead role. It was the, there was the musical Oliver. Have you heard of that one? I don't think I have. It's a, it's a famous old musical. And oh. so I got the lead role in that and that's where it all started. I was 10. So I pursued it from there. Uh, from ten years old. That's like, wonderful news. Yeah, yeah. It was it was pretty young, and I and obviously at ten, you don't really know what you're doing. You don't really know who you are or what's going on. You just kind of go with the flow. Mm-hmm. And I I managed to get very lucky and, and get a lot of opportunities as a young person. That's really impressive. Did your parents pers- encourage your pursuit of acting? Yeah, absolutely. They did. They did. I think that my dad yeah. kind of secretly wanted to be an actor when he was a young bloke, but you know, it was a different time when he was a young man and his father very much encouraged him to, to go to university and, you know, get his, get his college degree and finish school and all this stuff. And (laughs) that is so typical of that generation. It is, mate. One of your, one of your sons and daughters to go to university, get a degree and then get it, get themselves a real job. That's exactly right, mate. That was exactly the the path that my, my dad's dad um, encouraged for him. And he did it. He was very diligent. He was, he was a dentist and he's, he's recently retired, but he was a dentist his whole life. But, but he, he always wanted to be an actor. There was a part of him that wanted to be an actor. 
And so he was always, when I said, Dad, I think I want to be an actor, he was very um, supportive of me. Um, and so was my mum. My mum was always great with it too. So I was lucky in that sense. It's, it's a tough industry, but, yeah, my folks were very supportive. Yeah, I know. Yeah. How about your folks? Are they, are they behind you wanting to do some acting? Well, they, they both are. Well, when I was a kid, that's when I decided that I wanted to pursue acting. My father always encouraged me to pursue it, but my mother somewhat discouraged me because she didn't think I would have a chance of getting into the industry. But it wasn't until Love on the Spectrum that she began to change her mind about it. Sure. Yeah, well, that, that makes sense. And, and, and I get it. It's really hard. It's a very difficult yeah. industry. Let's say if you're a plumber and you fix someone's toilet or you, you, know, you fix a sink and you do a really good job, people are going to go, that's a great plumber. I'm going to use him again. And they're going to write reviews and they're going to say good things. In the acting world, it doesn't work like that. If you're a really good actor, that doesn't mean you're going to get the job. Quite often it's about no. how famous you are or how many people you know or who you know, uh, how you look. And then, then it depends on the acting quality. It's all a... Yeah, yeah, the, the reality of the industry is a tricky one, man. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's not about what you know. It's about who you know. That's it, mate. That's exactly and right. another thing about actors is that they don't need a paper resume. All they need is a showreel. Yeah, you're totally right. You're totally right. But also at the same time, in terms of comedy, Australia needs to do better. Oh, man, I completely agree. I and can... use American shows as example. I totally agree with you on that front. Yeah, the Americans... There's so much comedy out there, films, TV, and the yeah. Aussie stuff. It just, I don't know, it just it just seems to not quite hit the mark, which is weird because I feel like I we're a pretty funny culture. Yes, that's right. When Australia does drama, it reminds me so much of reality. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah that's true. It's, it, can be, it can be quite dark, can't it? Yeah. I've found from watching some, some great Aussie films that I, that I leave the film going, Wow, that was so real. I feel like I've just lived some of the worst parts of somebody else's life. <laughs> you know what I mean? You leave and you feel yeah. like, wow, did I did I have a good time then? Or was that just was that just really morbid? So I know yeah, I know what you mean. Yeesh. Yeah. <laughs> that also does remind me, um, can you tell us about your time on Home and Away, how you were cast and the reason you departed the show? Yeah, so I had an acting agent from a young age when I was about 13 or 14 yeah, and she would send me on auditions for things and I managed to, I got an audition. I was living in Orange, so central west New South Wales, so about four hours yeah. drive from Sydney. The audition was mm. in Sydney, so I was a country kid, drove up to Sydney with mum and dad, did the audition and they liked me. Basically, that's how it went. I did a few auditions and got a few callbacks and then I ended up getting the part right when I was doing, it was year 12, so the final year of school. Yeah, that would have been 2004. 04, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So I finished high school in 04, um, but I left. I, I wasn't there for a good six months because I was a guest character. And then I left to do my high school certificate. And then the day after I finished my last exam, I moved to Sydney to start full-time on Home and Away. And then I was there for four years. Yeah, that would have been about um, 19 years ago to... And then 2008 was 15 years ago. 15 years ago when I finished. I'm glad you did the math for me, mate. I'm terrible at maths. Yeah, so uh, what was the other part of your question? Why did, I, why did my character leave? Well, it was my contract was up and I was there was the option to stay on the show, to keep going. But I was excited for some more adventures in life. 
I was, what was I, 18, 19, 20, 21. So that's how old I was throughout the years of the show. And at 21, 22 years old, I wanted to, wanted to go out and explore the world. I wanted to uh, go to the States and see if I could do some acting in the US. Um, I'm also a musician and, and, and started some, wanted to play in my band. And I had a lot of, a lot of adventuring to do really. So my time, oh. my time on, in, in Summer Bay uh, came to an end. Where's Summer Bay? It's not a real place, but it's a it's a fictional coastal Suburb? town. Yeah, I oh. mean, I feel like it's probably somewhere between Sydney and the Gold Coast. Like, you know what I mean? Oh. Like, it's somewhere there. If you know anything about Summer Bay and Home and Away, you'll know that people tend to get sick an awful lot in Summer Bay. There are there are murderers that go through there. There's gangs. There's all kinds of crazy drama that happens. So, I wouldn't move to Summer Bay because it seems like a very dangerous place. Clearly. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's probably a good thing that it's not a real place because it, it would be somewhere to steer clear of due to all the illness and danger. <laughs> but it makes Mental for good TV. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But what is the point of entertaining people with a show that that's very similar to reality? Yeah, well, that's a good question. I feel like I guess some people like that. I guess some people like something that is really hyper real because it feels like they can get more immersed in the show. I think they can connect with it more. And then there's other people who like something that's that's uh, pure fantasy, so they get an escape from their real world. What what kind of thing do you do you like to watch? Well, I'm actually more into um, sitcoms and animation and comedy as well. Cool. The only things I don't watch are anything that's in horror, suspense, slasher, or thriller. Oh, really? And wow. I'm, not, I'm also not really into action films or action thrillers that much at all. Yeah, that's funny. See, I like, I really like thrillers. I didn't used to. Um, horror, horror films and thriller films. I don't like the slasher ones that are just violent for the sake of it. But <laughs> what, I, what I like about thrillers and those kind of movies is... Um, is it makes it makes me feel alive, you know. It's very intense and and quite stressful, but you're safe, you know. You're in the movie theater or you're in your home, and you you're not in danger, but you get the thrill of feeling like there's danger without actually being in danger. So that's what I like about it. I finish watching a, a thriller movie and and I feel very um, alive and excited. Yeah, I've never even seen any James Bond films in my life except for. Die Another Day, but only for one reason. Yeah. Because it was the film debut of Rosamund Pike, who's one of my favourite British ac actors. She was also in Gone Girl and... Oh, that's right. The, what We Did on a Holiday, Hector in the Pursuit of Happiness. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the Wheel of Time. Okay, cool. So you're, you're following her career. Yeah. Are you thinking that you might have to start watching some dramas and thrillers? Nope. Um, nope. <laughs> I'm actually um, mostly big on comedy because I consider myself to be mostly a comedic actor. Sure. Al what? Although I do see myself as also versatile as well. Yeah, well, that's good to be. I think it's all. I think that's a that's a healthy thing to know to know what you like and to know what you're good at. What kind of comedic actors do you look up to? Oh, ones like Phil Hartman and the people that were on Saturday Night Live, Brooklyn Nine Nine, and Parks oh, yes. and Recreation, The Office. I look yep. at a lot of those American sitcoms because they're comedies mostly and because they just keep me entertained. 
Yeah, yeah, they 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 do well with those. Did you did you like the British version of The Office, the original one? I haven't seen it. Oh, you haven't seen it? It's different to the American one. It's more subtle, but I'd be intrigued to know if you like it. If if you like the American one, it'll be interesting to know if you like it because it's it is quite different. But I also have recently begun to develop an interest in David Attenborough's nature documentaries. Oh yeah, I love those, man. Those are amazing. Yeah, they certainly are. Animals and their and their habitats. Do you know what they all have in common? Hit me. All of that is purity. You're totally right. There's no there's no bullshit with animals. L- little kids and animals. It, you're totally right. It is completely pure, and it's and there's a lot of instinct. And there's something really beautiful about observing that. Animals are far more well behaved than humans. <laughs> that's that's true, man. I got into. The Flintstones, when I was a kid, I remember that being on TV, and the Jetsons, those two were on TV, and a bit of Yogi Bear. You know, a lot of cartoons these days are either just for children or just for adults, Yeah. whereas the Hanna-Barbera days was um, much more more wholesome, so I can see why you like it. Yeah, that's right. It's something that people of all ages can enjoy. What about uh, modern modern animation? Do you like things like Rick and Morty? Actually, I got out of that two years ago. Did you? I consider adult animation to be quite vulgar. Yeah, yeah. Well, it really is. They they really lean into that, don't they? But one of the modern shows I really love is SpongeBob SquarePants. Okay, yes, SpongeBob is is a is a crazy show, man. It is. It's yeah. just entertaining. And it's something that all, people of all ages can enjoy too. Yes. Yeah. It works, yeah. For, works for the whole, for all ages. I, I, I like that show. I have to ask you, how and when did your musical career begin and how you landed on The Voice? Yeah. Okay. So my musical career, I would say, is something that I've actually been doing more than I've done acting. I just happened to to get more acting acting work and acting roles. So my I was always singing and and playing and playing instruments as a child, but I didn't discover the guitar until I was 16. My my parents bought me a guitar at 16 and I because I was listening to a lot of ACDC and um mm. and a lot of rock and roll. Do you do you like rock music? Not really. I'm only into pop music. Pop music. Okay. So no so no Black Sabbath. Uh, afraid not. Okay, look, that's all right. We can still be friends. It doesn't, it's, it's, I'll let that one slide. Yeah, that di- music difference doesn't really matter. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. There's, there's many other reasons to be friends. Yeah, so, so I started, I was playing guitar at 16 and I've, and, and now my full time job is a musician. I do acoustic wow. solo stuff in bars and pubs and I, and I do like three, sometimes four gigs a week and I sit and I play guitar and, um, wow. And it's a, it's a cool way to make some money and keep my keep my playing up my my quality up high and um, yeah. yeah man it's a, it's a good thing and I, I've got my own uh, original music called Stone Love which is a, which is uh, a rock band I mean a covers band as well I've just joined a covers band up here in in wow. Queensland called the Filthy Animals and we play like classic rock songs my music career has been something that's always been happening and it's something that I that I really love and will never stop doing. Um, oh, you asked about the voice. 
Yeah, so that yeah. was that was in 2020, which was which was, of course, you know, the year of the pandemic. Um, yeah, so that's we, something I generally don't talk about on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, it's not a very fun thing to talk about. It yeah, was, it, it was it affected me too. Yeah, yeah, it, it really did, man. It was rough, but so we started the show, and then the, all the lockdowns happened. So we almost didn't we almost didn't even finish the show, but they managed to keep the show going, but without an audience. So we were in the studio singing and they had um, screens around us with people on the screens to make it look like kind of simulate an audience, but it wasn't, it wasn't the same, unfortunately. It wouldn't be. No, that, that feeling of being on stage and performing to people, singing and having them with their response, cheering, clapping, enjoying it. It's a, it's a very electric, intense feeling and um, it doesn't, it's not quite the same when there's no, when there's no audience there. It wouldn't be. In fact, I hardly ever go to concerts, to be honest. You know what? If I'm honest, I don't go to many concerts these days either. I've, I've gotten a bit, a bit old when it comes well, to that kind of thing. How, how are you old? You're only 36. That's true. That's a good point. I guess I just feel like I'm old because I've, I've got a child at home and she's waking up in the night, so <laughs> I'm always tired. So when it comes to going out, watching a concert, I'm like, oh, 8.30, time for bed. Yeah. In fact, whenever I go to concerts, I always have earplugs in. It minimizes the noise because being on the spectrum, I cannot tolerate loud noises. Yeah. Okay. So is that something that, that gets a bit full on for you? Lots of, lots of sound? Yeah. It does. That I mean, that's definitely the case for me, at least with concerts. I'm, I've always got earplugs in. I don't care if people think it's not cool. Mm. I don't, I, I'm. It's too much. Well, who cares about who cares about being cool? That's right. That's right. I reckon we make it cool to wear the earplugs because when we're fifty, we're not going to be deaf or have tinnitus and a exactly. ringing in our ears all the time. That's much cooler. Exactly. It's cool. It's called prioritizing your your ear health. Yeah. How is how is auditory health? Not a cool thing. What I what is cool? Now that's a question that I don't think ever will be answered. I don't think it should be. No. Nah. There are some questions that should ne that should never have an answer. Yeah, it's kind of like what is the meaning of life, or what the meaning of normal is. Yeah, what the meaning of normal? Yeah, well, that's it. That I mean, that's just constantly changing, isn't it? <laughs> I know. And anyway, um, I have at least three more questions for you. Um, Hit me. I hear you have your own podcast, like I do, right? Correct. Um, what is yours about and where can people find it? So thank you for asking. My podcast is called Deep and Meaningfuls with Furzy. And it is basically that. It's me having deep and meaningful conversations, kind of like what we're doing right now. I like to just explore things that are a little bit below the surface or a lot below the surface. You know, it's, like the sound it's of that. Yeah, you know, it's nice to have a to have a, uh, a little conversation with someone, but I really get a lot more out of diving into things a lot deeper and, and, and kind of just finding out what the truth is. And even though sometimes it can be uncomfortable, it can be tricky, yeah. but I think that's how you really bond with people and how you really learn about mm. yourself is to, is to go into things that are a little uncomfortable sometimes. And, and that's how you learn things, I think, when you, when you, go, yeah, into, when you go into the shadows, you know, that's where, that's where the good stuff is. Even though it's a bit scary, you come out stronger. So, yeah, it's a podcast about just deep conversations. I talk to people from yeah. all walks of life, really. That's, I'm, I'm intrigued about all kinds of stuff. So I've taken a bit of a break from yeah. it since I, since I became a dad and I've been putting all my energy into doing my best to being a very um, present 
and attentive dad. But now my little girl's getting, yeah, she's getting a little bit more, um, uh, what's the word? Well, she's a little bit able to, you know, wander around and, and she doesn't need quite so much attention. So I'm, I'm starting the podcast back up again and I, that's cool. um, I'm really looking forward to it. Excellent. I don't think that's something Rick Dalby would have ever been, a- been able to do. I don't think so either. Like Rick, Rick Dalby was a, a bit of a troubled lad. He did his best. But I think Rick Dolby had some real demons that he would need to, to maybe maybe even go and see a psychotherapist about and talk about some things that happened in his childhood because he had a hard time. Maybe because he had a shit father. I mean, that's that's really hit the nail on the head. His father was a bit shit, a lot shit actually. <sighs> Isn't it amazing how having a having a shit father seems to be a big reason why a lot of people are messed up? It's like the worst thing for for a kid. Yeah, really having is. a shit dad, mm. and it's funny. Like from I, I, from listening to to psychologists and and understanding about why people have issues, it turns out a lot that like all a father really needs to do is just be there, you know, be there yeah. and be and be present. So it's um, they don't really need a lot. I mean, I'm lucky. I got a wonderful dad. Um, so Same. I he's he's a good role model. Cool, yeah. And I'm doing my very best to be a great dad. It's a, it's a big, it's a huge responsibility. It's the biggest responsibility that I've ever come remotely close to becoming a, becoming a parent. It's really changed me, Michael. It's been, it's been a real journey for me. And and it's funny as you get older, I don't know if you can relate to this, but as you get older, it becomes harder to kind of, to, to grow. Do you find that, that learning new things and adopting new habits just gets a little bit more difficult? Yeah, maybe, maybe it does get difficult at times. Mm. Mm, and I, I used to be really good at it as a teenager, especially as a little kid. And now, you know, in my 30s, I'm getting closer to 40. And having this little girl, I've had to change so much. There's been so much about me and my behavior that I've had to grow out of. And so it's it's been mm. a real journey. But um, I'm determined to be a really great dad. Yeah, that's really wonderful. I congratulate you for it. Thanks, man. I hear that you have some big news. And then my next question was, can you tell us what that is? But I think you've already answered that. <laughs> is that, is that about my daughter? Uh, that's what I was actually <laughs> implying. To ask. Yes, yes. I, I, I um, yeah. That's that is by far the biggest news that I've that I've ever had in my life is um, being bringing a human being into the world. It's been wonderful. It's been the hardest thing I've ever done by far. Yeah, but also the most incredible thing I've ever done, and everybody says that, but yeah, but you don't know what that means until you actually do it, and I'm I'm right in the middle of it yeah. right now. At some point in the future, I do feel a little bit nervous about being a dad myself. I get nervous about it because of not only because of the responsibilities, but also because of the expenses as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's you know because- you're not wrong there. <laughs> I mean, sure, women make more money than they ever did 60 years ago, mm. but there's still pressure on men to be providers because traditionally that's the man's job. You're totally right. And you know what's funny? Uh, I, I consider myself to be a, re- a relatively um, yeah. modern and progressive person, but becoming a father, I've felt this this huge responsibility to be a provider. It's just really yeah. come over me since this has happened and and it's it's a big priority for me and it and it's just happened it's been like a, a an an internal thing that's like an instinctive thing that's kicked in for me to provide for my family yeah it's it's harder than it seems but but you know if you're going to be a good dad you got to step up yeah of course I would do my best but I would also use my parents as a guide 
Absolutely, man. Well, they've already done it, you know, so so who better to go to if you need advice? Yeah, of course. I go to my dad for advice quite frequently. And sometimes you can tell your parents something that they don't know because the world has changed an awful lot. Well, my dad has a very 1980s mentality. Does he? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right, right. I think my dad probably does too. My dad's probably got a 1970s mentality, actually. Of course he does. <laughs> I don't find that surprising one bit. Yeah, yeah. I do have to ask you my last question for you. Mm. Have you done many projects in the US? Yeah, I did a few. I did a few, actually. I was lucky in the sense that I've always wanted to be in, in movies more so than TV. I love I love movies because they it's a story that is more digestible. You know, you sit down for 90 minutes, two hours, yeah. and you get an arc from start to finish, and you and you kind of- yeah. get to watch an entire journey rather than TV, which can be sometimes 30 episodes. So I've always enjoyed movies in that sense. And I was lucky that I managed to get um, a few acting roles in movies, only movies. I never got any TV while I was in the States. Really? Yeah. And, and funnily enough, you probably won't like this, but all of the movies that I did were horror or thriller movies. Yeesh. Yeah. Well, actually, one of them wasn't. I lied to you. One of them was a this beautiful faith-based film about a band. So that was not a horror film at all. That was very wholesome, wholesome film. But some of the others, one of the movies I was in, I got possessed and um, had all these horrible injuries and was like basically a, a zombie. Yeah, broken leg, Yeesh. all kinds of nasty things. Yeah, it was full on. <laughs> Compared to television series, films are done at a very rushed pace and there isn't a lot of time for character development or story growth. And you only get one story, one adventure. And with television shows, you can watch it whenever you want to. And yeah. it's, the show's done at a very more realistic pace. There's more time for character development and growth and developments on the story. And shows don't rely, rely on the box office like films do. That's a good point. Yeah, it's. I, I think I agree with you, actually. And I think that that's, that's another reason why I like a good movie. There are a lot of movies that don't get it right. They don't have enough time. They haven't spent enough um, time developing the story or the characters. But a movie that gets it right and is able to tell yeah. a story that moves you in 90 minutes or two hours, that's really special to me. Um, but a yeah. lot of them don't. And I agree with you. You know, it's, it's cool to watch, a, to watch a TV series that goes on for a long time and it can be a much yeah. more intense and much more a much deeper adventure. Of course. Yeah. Well, now that you've answered my questions, I believe we we now have come to a point where you can ask me questions that you have in mind. We Great. call it the Ask Mr. A Plus segment. Okay. The Ask Mr. A Plus segment. All right. Well, it is a pleasure to be here with you, Michael. Thanks for having me, mate. Thanks. Thank you. I'm actually, like many people, a very big fan of yours. I watched you on, on Love on the Spectrum. And- I thought I'd tell you a little a little story. My wife and I watched you on the on the show while she was pregnant, and Whoa. when we went to a birthing coach because obviously, birth giving birth is <laughs> one of the most insane things a human can do. It's it's huge, and one of the one of the pieces of advice that she gave us was, when you're going into labour, you feel like you're going to go into labour and the baby's about to come. You want to create an environment where you feel very loved up. And, and, and it creates a hormone in your body called oxytocin. 
And she said, so maybe put on some music or put on a TV show or a movie that makes you feel really happy. And the first thing my wife said was, oh, we have to watch Love on the Spectrum again. So right before when she was nine months pregnant and we're waiting for our little daughter to decide it was time, we were watching you on Love on the Spectrum and just having a great time. You know, that was that was our show to to make us really happy and and especially you and your adventures on the show, man. You were you were a real light and your um Thanks. Your your openness about love and 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 your pursuit for love—it's a really beautiful thing. You don't see that from many many men these days, and um, it's really refreshing, yeah. mate. So I just wanted to—it's not really a question. I just wanted to commend you on that. And, ah, and tell thank you. you. Although dating is one of the hardest things that I've ever done, mm-hmm. because down here in Wollongong there isn't that many single women. Sure. Yep. Yep. And it's tricky, even if there are. I mean, it, it's it's hard work to try and get on get on the same page with another person and, yeah. and it's so nerve-wracking you've got to be vulnerable which is very scary oh i also have to um suggest something to you if i may hit me in if in the event that your wife ever gets pregnant a second time and she's giving birth i may I suggest that you play that song push it <laughs> by salt and pepper <laughs> that's amazing you know what I'm going to do that, Mike. That, I think that's I think that's red hot advice. And I think the trick would be to not to not say anything. Just just put the song on. Just hit play really loud, and just yep. and just you know let her just feel the music and feel the um, sentiment of the song. Yeah, of course, um, we don't plan on having another child, but um, ah. that could be that could be the turning point. Actually, I think that's a great idea. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I was going to ask you about the documentary series. How? how yeah. What was the filming? Like, how long were you filming that for? We were filming for, like, quite a few months. Yeah. And they would come to your house and, and, and follow you around? Yeah. Yeah, they did. Was that? How was that for you? It was got to be pretty weird having cameras in your face. It wasn't and in your weird. House. I actually enjoyed it. Really? Yeah. It seemed you, it. you seemed quite comfortable. Yeah. The lot's changed in your life since then. Yeah, it has. You know what's interesting is I don't know if you've ever – there's two shows that I think are polar opposites. There's one that's Love on the Spectrum and have you ever seen a show called Married at First Sight? I don't watch it but I've seen clips of it. Yeah, uh, it's – I'm the same. i I, I got to say I watched a season of it once. I actually felt quite sick at the end. It was so full on and it was so um, toxic. And just comparing Love on the Spectrum to Married at First Sight, they're both dating shows and they could not be they could not be more different and i feel like um i feel like you were on the right side mate thanks my parents raised me to be a gentleman yeah well it shows you've got that old school that old school chivalry mostly thanks to my dad yeah he's a, well he's yeah. got that 1980s mentality doesn't he yeah he doesn't still dress like he's in the 1980s does he no he doesn't no I mean, look, if I'm honest, I listen to a lot of music from the 1980s, so I guess I've got a bit of an 80s mentality. Well, I watched something that, that was released in the 1980s. Yeah? What do you got? Thomas. Thomas the Tank Engine? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was... Have they done a new version of that? Yeah, there's a reboot called All All Engines Go, and it's terrible. Is it rubbish? Yep. That's really sad. They've, they've lost the essence of it. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Ringo Starr was one of the voices... Yeah, it was actually the first one, but only for the first two seasons, which were both the only seasons from the 1980s. Was he? Did he play Thomas? 
He actually did all the voices. He was all the voices and the narrator. Did he really? Yeah. Wow. That's almost cooler than being the drummer from the Beatles. I suppose it is. <laughs> depending on depending on what you're into. Yeah, that's right. Uh, do you happen to have any other questions? I think that's it, mate. I've really enjoyed chatting with you. Oh, so have I. Well, Mark, thank you so much for coming on today's episode. I really appreciate it. Thank and thank you so much for reaching out to me on Instagram. That means a lot. Oh, mate, it's been it's been my pleasure. Thank you for chatting with me and spending your time yeah. with me. It's been great to get to know you, man. I hope we can Likewise. hang out again. I would consider you a friend now, Mike. So so I, I'll be I'll be chatting with you often and soon. You know what? I think I'll, I I think I'd like to consider you a, a new a new addition to my friendship circle as well. Yeah, it's 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 been a good chat, mate. Really means a lot. Thank you. My pleasure, Mike. Thanks for having me, man. The pleasure's all mine. Thank you. Thank you.